a fine decade this has turned out to be. War, riot, assassination. The age of Aquarius, indeed. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode, a Forever Night episode. Forever Night Season 2, Episode 20, Beyond the Law. What do we think that title means? Uh, vampires are powerful in and of themselves, and they don't need government. Yeah, like the lady said in Baby Baby, thanks to you, they aren't my laws. And maybe Nick resents it a little bit when other people think they're beyond the law? Or does he resent it when anyone thinks they're beyond the law? Well, he obviously resents LaCroix. Yeah. And that's like LaCroix's thing. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is... Come in, 81 Kilo. did it in the right order <laughs> and then you didn't say a forever night podcast oh <sighs> I, was, I was so preoccupied with you <sighs> pressing the button and talking in the right order you know what we do this for y'all's benefit we could do this perfectly every time but then what would you learn nothing you learn nothing from success you learn from mistakes failure is the great teacher yeah we are all equal in our ignorance I think it's pain is the great teacher, but we'll say failure. Fine. Fine. Failure, pain, sometimes they're extremely close. They're usually associated causally. (laughs) Especially for you. (laughs) Hey, hey, I did handiwork today and I did not injure myself. You know what? I'm getting better. Pour one out. Congratulations, honey. We do have a minor uh, oopsie that I need to address. And it's that I said the line, immortality is no excuse not to floss, was from Dark Knight. I stand corrected. It is from For I Have Sinned. I don't know why these three episodes, Dark Knight Part 1, Dark Knight Part 2, and For I Have Sinned, kind of run together in my head. And I think it's because I do not re-watch Dark Knight Part 1 and Part 2 very often. So headcanon for me, the first episode is For I Have Sinned. Just like experientially. Yeah. The earliest episode that you watch is episode three. Yeah. So when I think first episode, I think For I Have Sinned. So that's what I'm going with. But correct. It is from For I Have Sinned. Um, Oopsies. Thank you for the correction. Thank you. Yes, I definitely appreciate it. I don't want to go in perpetuity of being wrong. I'm not going to go back and correct the episode or anything, but I will address the fact that I was wrong. But moving on to Beyond the Law, this is a, I think before we get started, holy shit transitions. Yes. Holy shit transitions. Director for this episode. Michael Levine. Michael Levine. and And maybe somebody else was involved in the production and- they said, hey, let's let's try it this way. Yeah. You know, I was reading up about him and he actually directed like eight episodes. He did like Only the Lonely. He did Amateur Night. 
But none of them have this tile of transition. This is like. He's up in his game. He's up in his game. But I guess I read an art. Okay. I went on a bit of a Michael Levine deep dive while we were watching this episode because I'd watched it once already today. So I didn't watch it. I was on my phone a little bit the second time around. But what I was doing was pod related because I was looking at Michael Levine to see what else he's done. Apparently he directed a whole bunch of episodes of Xena. Nice. And Forever Night got him Xena because I guess they contacted the Xena people. And they were like, this guy has style. And they were like, we like style. So they sent him some of his, for, they sent them some of his Forever Night episodes. And they were like, cool, yeah, bring him down. And so he worked on Xena for a while because he nice. worked on Forever Night, which I thought was cool. Cool. Um, and he says he had the stripper episode because he did the uh, Dance by the Light of the Moon. Uh -huh. That's a quote from the article. I didn't call her a stripper. And he also did the, quote, models episode and the workout aerobic episode. He must not have remembered the titles. <laughs> <laughs> he just he he redescribes the the essence of the episode. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, this was interesting. I'm gonna read a um a quote from the article. <laughs> Apparently, he was active in the forums when it was uh when the show was airing. Forever night. Yeah, and he said, uh, I'll tell you a little story about Forever Night that most people don't know. The flashbacks were never intended to be part of the show. When we first started doing Forever Night, the late night version, we only needed about 39 minutes of material. Well, the foreign markets needed 43 minutes of material. Jim Perriott, who created it, said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll do these flashbacks into his past. It was planned to take two days and shoot something like six flashbacks in a row. We shot the first flashbacks for the show, and everyone just loved it, and we couldn't get rid of them. And so the interviewer was like, oh, I've made this comment in other forums when the show was running. Gee, I wish the show was. And then it's like a transcript of a, of a yeah. verbal article. So um, it says, finishing. All flashbacks. So Levine finished his sentence. All flashbacks. I had one show that was told mainly in flashbacks. It was the politician show. <laughs> that would be beyond the law, the one we just watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, they became more and more elaborate, more and more part of the show. Sometimes they were just gratuitous flashbacks that had nothing to do with the show. But boy, when those two storylines clicked, they were great episodes. They were the most fun part of Forever Night because you got to do period pieces. I yeah. thought that was interesting that they were initially supposed to be part of it. And we've talked about the Euro Minutes. Yeah, but I guess the flashbacks were but also Euro Minutes. That maybe, was pretty cool. Maybe originally the, the Euro Minutes were supposed to be the flashbacks, but then they're like, oh, we got to keep the flashbacks well, because the they flashbacks work so well. Well, some of the flashbacks are not long enough. Yeah. Maybe that's when they worked them in. You yeah. couldn't put in a full like six minutes of filler. That'd be a lot. You can do like two to three minutes of Nick laying on his back in his bathrobe throwing tarot cards at the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, And then we were like, we're capped. Okay. So we had to throw in some flashbacks, but maybe that's why some of the earlier flashbacks feel like, what? Because they're literally just filler. Yeah. Because they're literally filler. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. He did the one, um, Dance by the Light of the Moon, which has the flashback where Jeanette is like, let me swallow your light. That one. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, you can swallow anything you want. It's fine. Um, he said, it was cool because he got to show how Nick became a vampire. Okay, yeah, and you got to have Jeanette doing, like, 90s TV, 90s primetime sitcom, whatever, dirty talk that she yeah. was doing to him. But anyway, this is the politician episode, also called Beyond the Law. 
cracks me up that he didn't give them any names. When he's talking about the Xena ones, he does the same thing. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I had the baby tossing episode. And then he laughed in the episode. It says, like, Levine laughs. And it said, like, um, funny how I only know their nicknames. And I was like. <laughs> he, he knows the, the project code names. And I was like, Michael, I think we could probably be friends. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> how we, we're always like, I don't remember what it's called, but this is what we call it. I don't know. I think we've discussed. I come by that rightly. My mom doesn't know the actual word for anything. She doesn't even call yeah. bird baths bird baths. She calls them fish bowls. So you have to remember when she talks about fish bowls, she's talking about bird baths. <laughs> so, because I mean, they're they're the same thing. You walk by and you throw things in. It's the lead. And then when you need it again, you reach, <laughs> you reach in it and grab it and out. take it out. She also Just doesn't. One of them yeah, gets wet. Bird baths also don't go outside. They are inside as catch all bowls for shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you want to know where something is, she'll go look in the fish bowl. <laughs> Which she means the bird bath, and it's the, the bird bath that's in the house, <laughs> usually by the kitchen door. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's the lead. It's the lead brain. Damage. <laughs> that's what it is. The aerosolized lead brain. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. All right, so we start uh, at an exterior apartment. I think this is Anne Foley's apartment. Did we discuss this? I think yeah, this is the exterior it. shot from Anne Foley's apartment. Yeah, it's not the one where he's rising up. Yeah. To hop in on the balcony, his default entrance style. Yeah. This is just the exterior shot of the whole building. Yeah. And I was like, Ann Foley, that you? I don't know. Maybe there's not that many apartment buildings in Toronto. (laughs) Everybody lives in this one. I don't know. But the, the cold open is this woman is getting pearls. And then she starts out getting like a dry back rub, which I was like, ouch. Like the skin on skin, like. Uh, I immediately was like, oh, great. But then he dumps like half a cup of massage oil on top of her launcher. (laughs) (laughs) Well, break the silence is playing. Break the silence. Is that a Fred Mullen special? Yeah, they're all Fred Mullen because then we didn't have to get licensing. Gotcha. Yeah. If you get the guy who writes your theme song to write all of the songs for your show, you don't have to license shit. (laughs) Which is nice because we can continue to use the same songs in perpetuity. I have watched several older movies where we've swapped songs because the licensing for that song isn't available anymore. Yeah, when it comes back on streaming. Yeah. And then the streaming platform is like, okay, we want to air this episode. Oh, wait, we don't have the rights to broadcast right. this song because they they were attached to the like the broadcast network, yeah. not the actual media itself. Yeah. I think the most notable one is... Um, I think it's Love at First Bite, and it's like a 1970s, like, comedic Dracula adaptation. And they have a scene where they dance to, like, Disco Fever. Okay. And then when they re-released it, they changed the song. And it just doesn't work because the joke is Dracula is dancing to disco music. If it's not disco music, it's not funny. They uh, didn't even get another disco-esque. I don't, it's just, it doesn't work, right? So, but gotcha. luckily, whoever did this was A, cheap, and B, well, we'll not call it cheap. We'll call it forward thinking. Pragmatic. Pragmatic, which was, we have the rights to this in perpetuity because it was written for the show. So right. let's just roll with it. We only have like four songs. We have like uh, Black Rose. We have Break the Silence. We have like the one with the, the glass, the dark side of the glass. And then we have, um, did I already say break the silence? Yeah. Yeah. The hunger one. Okay. There's one where they sing about hunger. There's like, there's four of them. And they're usually playing when we go on the Raven. But we haven't had one 
where we use that song as like what's playing over the cold open in a while. So welcome back, Fred. We missed you. So he's playing Break the Silence. And then she gets like a back rub with this half a cup of what looks like olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, he gets a little rougher and she's like, oh, too much. And then she gets choked. And it ends up breaking the necklace. And I know this is nitpicky, but I'm going to say it. He breaks the necklace after she passes out. Right. But And I know this is nitpicky, but I'm just going to say it. If you have expensive pearls, each pearl is knotted onto the string individually. They don't just slide off. They don't just slide off. If you have cheap pearls, they slide off. So later we talk about how this is an expensive pearl. These are cultured pearls. If this was a cultured pearl necklace with an actual silver clasp, it would not slide off the string and dramatically fall onto the ground. Sorry. This is a thing we get wrong a lot. And I know it's like it's like a trope, basically. Pearls fall off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a visual trope. I just want to note, if you're ever doing it, if you're making a movie and you did that accurately, there's a whole subset. There's dozens of us who would be like, yes, thank you. They don't just fall off. Because <laughs> that's the whole point is to keep them from falling off. If the strand breaks. If yeah. the strand breaks. Side note. Anyway, she dies. And we know she dies because the guy blows the candle out. It's like. I thought, ooh, that's symbolic. <laughs> that's symbology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He snuffed her out like the candle and then, bottom, bottom. So, hey, the cold open was just a murder. Hey. We're back on the pattern. Yeah. I feel like we wallowed a little for a little while there. And now we're kind of back in our stride. This whole episode's really well done. I thought this whole. Is it the most coherent of episodes? It's as coherent as any of them, I guess. But it's not like, I mean, oof, it's not everything nailed together. You feel like a solid win at the end. It's a good episode. Transitions are great. Acting is great. Storylines are great. All of it's great. Motivation's unclear. Motivation's unclear. Yeah. I, I think my biggest, um, like, uh, dissonance. Yeah is the fact that they abduct the ambassador. Yeah. Bring him to the police station and then he doesn't just leave. Right. He stays and like <laughs> they ask him to go into rooms and he just cooperates and it's like why did you just take me into the like perp side of yeah. the like one-way glass. Right. Where they like, sir, the red wine storage is through there. Wait, wait. i got to wait for a phone call and then <laughs> the, you can the, walk right the in The cooler's there. on the other side of the room. Can you go, oh, yes. go yeah. pick out your favorite bottle? Uh, the canopies? Right? They're, they're in no, that room no, with the one-sided glass. It's walk in here and stand there for a minute. <laughs> and he just yeah. goes along with it. Right. The whole time. So interestingly, Michael Levine also wrote Forward into the Past. And I feel like we had the same criticism of Forward into the Past, which was all of a sudden we had just drawn a conclusion and then we just acted on that conclusion for the rest yeah. of the episode without ever really clearing it up. And yes, eventually the evidence bears it out, like the evidence eventually percolates in and proves the the wildly unfounded theory that we made earlier. But what if it right, right. So, so <laughs> the consequences of it not would have been catastrophic. If I recall correctly, yeah, 
The evidence that they have that the ambassador did it. Yeah. Is that this is a really high quality necklace from Kazakhstan. That Daphne, the forensic lady, surmises might be right, from just Kazakhstan. off the top of her head. Yes, from holding She's... this little plastic baggie and flirting with Skanky. And she determines, oh yeah, this is a Kazakhstani necklace. Yeah. Oh, so it must have been the ambassador from Kazakhstan. Well, That's they... <laughs> the only person it could have been. <laughs> there's two There's two pieces what, of evidence. What's the second piece of evidence? There was a diplomatic car at the apartment complex the night that the woman was murdered. Okay, that... A that... giant apartment complex where they could have been visiting fucking anyone. Right. But right. they were at that apartment but... complex. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's two... So at least there was some. I thought they just went to <laughs> no, the no the crazy to the lady, ambassador's house. The crazy lady whose husband and dog had almost the same name told Nick she saw a car with a red license plate. Oh, that's plate right. Yeah. After she was the hypnotized because she couldn't otherwise remember. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because we just finished the intro. <laughs> And this is not a linear you know, conversation. We're, we're not linear people. What did you say? The plot will be unknown at all times? Yeah. Accurate. So Nick and Skanky walk in from off camera onto the scene. And Natalie's already there. And she's like, yeah, she's been dead like 24 hours. Um, she's got like a, a stamp on her hand, but it's smudged. So I guess she was at a nightclub. We don't know which one. Sometime in the amount of time that it takes for the ink to stay but be smudged, that's how long she's been there. I don't know. I don't know. 24 hours. I don't, it, it feels very much like, uh, I, eh. it, it feels like when our daughter looks for something. Yeah. And I can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, I looked around. I didn't see anything. Did you get out of your chair? No. I don't that's, know. That's the vibe I got off of Natalie. Because then fi- Nick looks know. down and we get... <laughs> and then we get just like... Pshew! Night vision. He night visions a... A, a pearl a in the pearl, asphalt. Like in the crack in the asphalt. He's like... Pshew! Did anybody see that, this that, It would be really hard to see a white shiny pearl on black asphalt. Yeah. Just saying. It's in the crack and it's buried in dirt. Okay. <laughs> And it's dark. It's nighttime. <laughs> he like shoots out this pearl, but then he doesn't. He just picks it up. He's like, oh, <laughs> with his like man meat hands. He no, takes... uh, he's wearing a glove. Is he wearing a glove? I'm pretty sure he's wearing a glove. And then the next time we see but it, they it's don't in a bag. take a picture of it. Where they don't it was. take a picture of it in situ with like a, a number. So I've been watching a lot of Doctor G, and she calls it in situ. I've always heard it in situ. It's a dead language, so <laughs> the pronunciation doesn't matter. Oh, we should ask Lacroix. He would know, and he'd have an opinion. He would. Hey, that that would be a cool side gig for him. Oh, like correcting people's ancient, Latin pronunciation. Ancient language consultant. Well, now we know what he does on Facebook. He goes around and corrects, <laughs> corrects people's Latin. <laughs> Actually, <gasps> did you just break my chair? I don't know what you're talking about. Did you rip the fabric? No. I'm not sure what cracked. (laughs) (laughs) Matt begins vigorously stabbing the chair. I don't know what happened. What we need is Nick to come in here and just... (laughs) (laughs) Laser vision what you broke. 
Oh, I think it's like a thin sheet of plywood. Oh, Luan. And it's cracked it. That's all right. Yeah. You know, he goes on and <laughs> makes, he stitches videos. That's what he does. He goes on TikTok and he stitches videos of people trying to speak Latin. And, he's and like, corrects them pedantically. Like, Actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is a common misperception, but it is. <laughs> Back in my youth. <laughs> The age of Aquarius, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? That would be like the ultimate uh, the ultimate vampire just like trap infinity pool is correcting like historical inaccuracies. On oh, the yeah. Internet. It would be the, the history version of nerd sniping. <laughs> it's so... Okay. All right. Well, we got sidetracked again. Okay. But we introduce an interesting side character, thanks to this pearl, which is Daphne. And I'm almost certain we never, ever see Daphne again. I think she's created exclusively for this episode. The entire forensics department is created exclusively for this episode. And then just disappears. Natalie tried... um delegating yeah delegating that and they hired a whole team yeah led by daphne who apparently is like down the hall yeah in the same building in the same building well that's weird but i think natalie didn't like delegating Uh, those tasks you know what maybe daphne got dismissed for sexual harassment that is very possible (laughs) this is a 90s moment because if we swap the genders on this and make Daphne male and skanky female. We would get the flashback. This, yeah. <laughs> this becomes um, obviously uncomfortable. Yes. So that's usually our litmus test. It's so things. uncomfortable that we spend a good chunk of skanky time complaining about the unsolicited attention that he's getting from Daphne. Yeah. And it's played for laughs. It's played for laughs. So what we're going to do is we're just going to set the um, inappropriateness of this on the table and we're going to slide it over to the 2023 side. And remember that we are in the 1990s and this is the kind of stuff we laughed about. And it is kind of funny and it is kind of cute because it's not shown as toxic and she doesn't persist after he tells her no. Right. So... We're not going to discuss it as toxic any further because this was okay in the 90s, kind of. And yeah, like I said, it's not shown as toxic. As soon as he gives her a definitive no, she redirects. So at least they did that much. And it's kind of cute and funny because Skanky's look of terror every time he thinks about Myra finding out is hysterical. The... Myra wouldn't say she'd do. <laughs> right. When, yeah, the fear, the f- like, just like the anxiety that Myra is going to find out that a woman is flirting with him. Yeah. And his expectation that Myra finding out would result in Myra like punishing him. Yeah. For that. To me, is kind of a sign of an unhealthy relationship, or at least a low trust relationship. 
Well, you know where what? she doesn't trust him. Okay, this has been brought to my attention recently. During our most recent episode of Feast, Sheath, and Shatter, we had okay. a brief discussion about this because we're doing a book where the book boyfriends are shown as very jealous. And to me, that feels toxic. And that's something that we discuss as a toxic trait a lot between you and I. Yeah. Um, but Kate said this is something she finds desirable in a partner. Oh. That she wants to be fought for and she wants to feel at least a little bit possessed. Not possessed in like somebody owns her, but like you feel such a strong attraction. You don't want anybody else to share in even the attraction to that person. Not toxic in like Myra would go and assault this woman, but that Myra feels a certain amount of territorialness gotcha. over her affection to Skanky. So I think as long as this isn't harming anybody, it's still a funny joke. So, ha ha. I, I would say, like, a certain amount of, like, casual flirting is is part of just normal interaction. It's when it, when one person communicates, like, uh, I'm, maybe that's a little too much. Yeah. Like, let's tone it down a little bit. Or... Or they just explicitly state, by the way, I'm married. Or I have a boyfriend. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's a signal to the other person to tone it down. Yeah. Like. Don't expect more. And and if the person persists, that's when it's kind of going too far. Right. And you need to, like, have some intervention maybe. Right. But I could see her flirting with Skanky. And Skanky being like, oh, like, I'm kind of flattered, uh, but she's not pushy. Like, she's not trying to get with me. She's just, that's how she communicates right. with people. She's a flirty person. Right. And I don't think she really goes over the line, except when she touches his hand. The the deliberate, I drop the pearl, wait for Skanky to grab it, and then she touches Skanky's hand. Yeah. That's where it goes too far. Right. Accurate. Yeah. But in this moment, we're just talking about the car because they walk over. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Back to the the linear plot of the episode. We go back and there are like tire tracks. And Nick, I think in an effort to redirect Daphne because she's like flirting with Skanky in front of everybody. She's distracted. Yeah. He's like, what do you think? Um, Sedan or minivan? And Skanky's like, my big sedan. And she goes, actually, from the width and the tire tread depth and the whatever, I think it's a stretch limo. What do you think? Minivan or a station wagon? Nah, it's a big sedan. Actually, by the width, depth, and tread of the tires, um, I think it might be a stretch limo. But you were close, Donnie. And then Nick's like, okay, what about the footprints? And she goes, smallish guy, maybe five foot seven, 160 pounds. That's a lot to get from a footprint, but thank you so much, Daphne. And uh, she's like, small, and then she small kind guy, of, not my type. And not my type. Over. And then she like winks at Skanky. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I love the look that Skanky and Nick share, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Why is there a female here and they're not flirting with Nick? <laughs> I was going to say, Skanky's probably like, did she think you were standing here? <laughs> it's, messing with the, it's messing with their whole vibe. Yeah, I know. This isn't how these things go. Yeah. And this is when we get the Myra wouldn't say she do line. Because as soon as Daphne leaves, Natalie is like, whoa, whoa, whoa Skanky. 
what's all that about? And he's like, honestly, I don't know, but it's making me uncomfortable. Which is at the point where Natalie should have stopped teasing him about it. Yeah. But she does not. This is going to be hard because it's hard to put. <clears throat> workplace, like, workplace stuff like this, it gets difficult to put your context lenses on. I've worked in situations where I had men who flirted with me and mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And it was not appropriate for me to even tell them to stop. And so when you see stuff like this, it's like, ugh. Skanky has really, he's doing exactly what he should do, which is not, he makes it clear. He does not reciprocate with her flirtiness. And when it does, when it does go too far, he exits the situation. And then when it gets to the point where like, she's giving him tickets, he's like, oh, I'm married. Right. I would feel guilty if I accepted these from you. Yeah. And when he does the Pearl thing, that's when he's like, I'm married. And she's like, oh, I know. And he's surprised because he thinks she's been flirting with him just because she's been flirting with him. Yeah. Um, not knowing that he's married. Right. And so he's like giving her the benefit of the doubt. Like she's, she thinks he's single or something. Right. But she knows that he's not, you know available yeah you've been catcalled when we were out before um yeah 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 and i noticed once we were dating there was definitely like more attention or a you know higher percentage of like positive attention from women once they found out i was in a long-term relationship somebody's like i'd already gatekeeped you like i'd already moved you into like you're met you're well, there's relationship material. A big part of like assessing, you know, whether someone's going to be a good partner is determining from like interactions: are, can they commit to a relationship? Are they reliable and trustworthy? And to say, oh, you've been in a relationship for two years. Oh, you can, you can commit to a relationship. You can Ooh, do these things. That's so sexy. Mm. Maybe you could do that for me instead of the person you're with. In fact, I think the thing that was yelled at you was, hey, sexy, why don't you walk out of my dreams and walk over here? <laughs> yeah, that was, at, uh, that was at the theme park. Yeah, it was at the theme park. Yeah. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, me ain't walking over to you. <laughs> Sorry. I got this one. Yeah. Uh, but the woman who was murdered. <laughs> we made it through like five minutes of the episode. <laughs> This is going to be great. That's fine. Oh, it's good. It's going to be another baby, baby. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the woman who was murdered, her name was Tamara Brunansky. Brunansky. Okay. Yeah. What a last name. Th- there's a lot of skis because later Daphne's like, oh, oh, like Nick offers to go with her to the hockey game or Nick gets volunteered. Yeah, Lipinski. And she's like, I'm going to go ask Lipinski. We've yelled at Lipinski off screen several times. We did that in the episode where we were looking for somebody and they're yes, like, Lipinski. I recognize the Lipinski name. Yeah. I don't know. You want an off-color joke? <laughs> you mean on the record? Yeah, sure, on the record go for right it. now. Okay. What's long and hard that a Polish woman gets on her wedding night? Oh, her last name. Her last name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. I just... <laughs> that was the most nerdy laugh I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we find out from Natalie. That, you know, the woman's name was Tamara Brunansky. We actually don't get our, like, rundown in the morgue this time. We haven't been to the morgue and had a discussion over a body in a bit. 
because yeah. Natalie comes to the precinct and she's like, well, she had massage oil on her. And I found some more of those pearls at her apartment, but there's no, like they're cultured, but there's no uh, prints on them or anything. We don't, we can't get anything. Yeah. So that pearl that was at the crime scene probably came from yeah. her apartment. And then Natalie gets this like, wonder if Natalie's flashing back to when this happened to her and only the lonely. Oh yeah. Cause she's I, like, that's what I was getting. She's like, this is a woman's worst nightmare. Like you meet somebody, you've, you start to trust them you open you put your guard up, down you get yeah. vulnerable and that's when you get violated oh, okay Natalie. <laughs> uk did you ever go to therapy <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't feel like you unpacked that <laughs> there was a lot loaded into that not that nick noticed because he looks over at somebody else's computer and wouldn't you know it <laughs> <laughs> we we get the like first like novel flashback Ooh, like we're gonna do some shit this episode nice because he looks over and there's a computer monitor and playing on the computer monitor is a campaign video a black and white a black and white campaign, campaign video. video from a while ago from thomas gardner's campaign which look up thomas gardner to see if that was actually like a thing i yeah. don't know sometimes they harken back but i guess thomas gardner ford was gerald ford's brother but he, this isn't like historically accurate. He didn't run for president or anything. You mean Forever Night? Is <laughs> <laughs> that historically accurate? Nope. So after he sees the image, we like zoom in on the image. And then when we zoom back out, it's a TV and it's playing in this room. And all these people are sitting around watching it. And it's a really nice transition because yes. we go from Nick looking at this computer monitor and we cut to a close-up of what it feels like, the computer monitor. Yeah. But then when it pans back from the computer monitor, it's actually an older wood box TV. Yeah, and this is perhaps the most generic politician speech I've ever heard in my life. He's like, yeah. we're going to do stuff, and we're going to include people in the stuff, and we're going to make sure that this stuff gets done with procedures, and those procedures will include the people who do the stuff. And everybody cheers. And these inclusive procedures will be part of a Thomas Gardner administration. Right. And he's talking yeah. to a woman in the chair whose name is Angela. I and recognize this, this woman's this face. This actress is going to come back. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about it. Don't <laughs> ask me. And she is drinking the Thomas Gardner Kool-Aid, one might say. She yeah. is um, completely in the campaign and i love how they're all trying to get nick to be part of it they're like nick you want to be in the campaign and he's like i'm just an off-duty police it, officer it feels a little culty it does it's like one of us one of us and he's like i'm like i'm i'm here for some extra dollars and to give myself something to do in the evening like i'm not that's not why i'm here i thought it was interesting did you notice all of his campaign stuff is both red and blue his uh, he has blue signs and red signs i didn't Notice that. And the balloons are red and blue. So if you're not American, oh, <laughs> if you're not American, um, our, our, we, we our political parties. We functionally have two political parties. Right, and our political parties are color coded. Red is the GOP. Yeah. Red's Republicans or the GOP, uh, which stands for Grand Old Party. Oh, and, does it really? I thought that was a joke. No, it stands for Grand Old Party. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you didn't think. You th what else would it stand for? I, I don't know. Grumpy like, old people? Maybe. I've, oh, God, my liberal. I thought shirt. it was like good old boys 
like good old party. Good, no, yeah, it is the grand old party. Oh wow! Yeah, that's what it okay. stands for. Okay. And then the Democratic Party is blue. They're also elephants. So if you ever see elephant imagery, that's that's Republicans. Yeah. And then liberals are represented by a donkey. Well, specifically or blue. the dem- the Democratic the party. Democratic Party, uh, which also referred to as liberals. So I think it was to be like we don't place him politically. We don't get whether um, whose side Nick was on. Not that he's on anybody's side, because nobody is on his side. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's only involved. He, we'll get to it later. Yeah. I'll. I'll, I'll yeah. That's that. all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's in a later plot beat. Yeah, but then he like whoop, turns back from looking at the monitor, and they're continuing their conversation because. Right, but he also turns back in present day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so Cohen it's a nice and continuity of the movement. Yeah. Cohen and Skanky and Natalie are all continuing their conversation. And Natalie ends up giving the pearl to Skanky. And Cohen's like, great. Can you get that down to forensics? Skanky, take them down to forensics. Coordinate with the teams canvassing her neighbors and fellow employees. Captain, would it be possible if uh, Nick and I swap on this one, perhaps? You have a problem with forensics, detective? Well, no. Well,. You see, it's just that I'll run him down. Natalie could have walked it down to forensics. It's just down the aisle. But it's so we can make a joke because he's like, actually, Cohen, um, uh, Captain, do you think somebody else and could take this to forensics? At this point, it would have been like nice for Nick to say, oh, Cohen. Uh, I'll handle that. There's yeah, some stuff going I'll, on. I'll, I'll take, take care it. of it. And then maybe later, like on the side, like he goes to Cohen by himself and be like, just so you know, uh, one of the forensics people is making Skanky a little uncomfortable and it hasn't like gone too far yet, but that's why he didn't, that's why he was hesitant to go well, down I to think forensics. They're, not, they're trying to keep, this is funny. Well, um, right. I'm, I'm yeah. saying in 2023 terms. Right. Like this is like, this is where Nick says, hey, you know what? I'll take it. Don't worry about it, skanky. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could why don't you go to HR while I'm not while I'm gone? Yeah. Yes. Just to give them a heads up, someone's making you feel uncomfortable. But yeah. he doesn't. Nobody does. And Natalie makes like a kissy face at him because <sighs> Skanky ends up being like, never yeah. mind, no, I'll take it. It's fine. Uh Natalie, you just had like a fla- you had a flashback to only the lonely when you got taken advantage of. You almost banged a dude that murdered people. Yeah. You had like unwanted romantic advances from two people because only the lonely was the guy that was like the serial killer who was trying to make it with her and Nick who broke into her apartment and was like, yeah, uh, well, I don't want him in She's here. She's mine. She's mine, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to hit that, but I just, I don't want anything else hitting that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she ha- she's gone through some pretty traumatic shit. And then she's over there like, oh, skanky, we got someone like you. Come on, Natalie. What? Be the change you want to see in the system. Be the change, Natalie. God. I'm sorry, we are not. Our context <laughs> lenses have not come in the mail. We are doing a bad job with that. The scene that popped into my head was um, from What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, we, there's this whole thing that we have to drink the blood of virgins, whatever. <laughs> and it's not because it's not because we need virgin blood or that it tastes yeah. better. It's just if you're going to eat a sandwich, 
you want to know that nobody has fucked the sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's fucked it. And that's, is that how Nick feels about Natalie? No, <laughs> like, this one's mine, but I'm not going to do anything about it right now. No. But nobody else do anything to the sandwich while he, I'm waiting to he eat He likes knowing that Natalie is waiting for him. And he does yes. not like to be reminded that Natalie is only waiting for him for so long and of her own volition. And that the first time somebody else comes along who's a little bit more attractive, she's probably going to jump ship and hit that guy. Yeah. As she should. Because no one should live life as like the side piece I could get with if I wanted to. But I just want to know I could get with it whenever I wanted to. Because I got a regular piece at the nightclub. Right. And the regular piece would probably kill the side piece if I got with the... <laughs> oh, oopsies. All right. So Nick is back to canvassing the apartment complex. And he's talking to this older lady. And I don't know what this scene is, but it's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Alfred Albert. This is an exact recreation of what it's like to talk to my mom. <laughs> and I, when he hypnotizes her at the end and he gets the straight answer out of her, I thought, God damn, would that not be amazing to just be able to be like, here's a direct question. Can I get a direct answer? Yes. Oh, thank you. Done. Because he's like, okay, so you were out walking and you saw the car? She's like, yes, I was out walking Alfred or Albert. I can't actually I was can't out remember. on a walk with Alfred or Albert or yeah. whatever. And he's like, oh, your husband? She's like, no, my dog. So, you know, a corgi with the short legs, no tail, like the queen has. And he's like, yes, I'm familiar with that. And then he's like, okay, so... Alfred or Albert? Both. But this night, Albert wasn't quite feeling himself. I think it was something he ate. This is your dog? No, Albert. Alfred has splendid digestion. Yes, yes. Uh, can you tell me something about the make or color of the car? Well, it was... It was a... Oh. What? And she's like... <laughs> and she's Continue, like, please. Yeah. So she, you know, Albert was out, wasn't feeling great. So I took Alfred out and he's like, your husband wasn't feeling good? And she's like, no, he was feeling... Oh, it was the dog. She's like, no, the dog was fine. He has excellent digestion. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, so what did the car look like? And she's like, you know, that's really funny because I was looking right at it and I have no idea. And he's like, ah! <laughs> so he hypnotizes her and he's like what did the car look like and she's like black but it was dark so i couldn't it was see. too dark so i couldn't make out any other details yeah and he's like okay what color was the license plate she's like red. or did you did you see the license plate yeah and yeah. she's like red i remember thinking that was weird huh, a red license plate and he's hmm. like thank you have a good day <laughs> he, <just leaves. laughs> he literally just whooshes out the window in the <laughs> He's just like, doop. And While then he, the hypnosis wears off. I know. She comes back and she's like, Alfred? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we go back to Skanky because Skanky's taking the pearl to Daphne. And this is when he has the conversation with Daphne where he's like, Daphne, you know I'm married, right? Like, I'm unavailable. I am off market. Uh, I have no sale price. Like, you, you can't get with this, okay? And she's like, yo, no, I know you're married. And he's like, you you. You know I'm married? That, that's probably why so many women are attracted to you. And he's like, what? You know I'm married? Got it written all over you, Donnie. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's probably why other women are so attracted to you. 
You think so? Oh, definitely, yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's something very appealing about a married man. <clears throat> okay, that did not go the way. he. This was his first attempt to redirect her, to be yes. like, I'm uncomfortable with what you're doing. I'm letting you know. I... I I'm I'm not I'm not available. I can't. This isn't going to happen. I love that there's a forensics room, and there's like X-rays on the like X-ray thing. There's like a light up X-ray thing, and then there's some unnamed piece of equipment sitting over on the side, and it's just Daphne and like a microscope, and that's it. This is the entire forensics department. It, it's new. It, it just started. It just started. Yeah, they just they just started. Natalie this is was, the storage room. Natalie was like, I literally can't do it all anymore, guys. And they were like, oh, fine, we'll hire a real forensics department for the city of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when she's like, oh yeah, these were nice pearls. You know, not the best, but cultured. And they had this silver clasp. The hallmark says Russian, but the craftsmanship is too good. And um, so I think it's probably Kazakhstani. Or she says Kazakhstani, but Kazakhstani. Yeah. And uh, Skanky goes, what? And she goes, it's okay. I'll write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love that. I loved the... Oh, it, 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 I'll write it down. All right, I'll write down you, the details. Yeah, your, your reputation precedes you. Don't worry, I've got a notepad here for you. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jot it down. I already have a printout with a summary. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to this smoky 90s club, and I had like a whoosh flashback to Nick Knight when he goes to the Raven. It's not mm -hmm. the Raven, I forget what it's called in Nick Knight. But when he goes to the club, Jeanette's club, in the Raven, uh, I mean, God, in L.A., and we're like, why is it so smoky? Like, maybe the '90s just look like that. Well, it was, it was L.A. That one in, was L.A. And we were like, 90s. L.A. was literally it just looked like that. But yeah. I don't know. This feels aesthetic. Like they just pump cigarette smoke into the, yeah. into the place. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, wow, this was supposed to look so modern, like so modern and cool. <laughs> Um, this doesn't look bad. There's some pretty cool stuff. I'd love to see what this place looks like with the light off. And then I love when we see the exterior and it looks like a shipping container. And they just have like four air exchange things coming out with like red lights on the top. Did you see that? They're like attic fans on the end of no, these I like notice that. pipes. And the attic fans are all lit with a red light. And I was like, if there's ventilation, why does it look like that? Decorative oh. ventilation. They're ventilating the smoke into the building. Oh, that's right. Okay. And people are like leaning in the entranceway, drinking out of their wine glasses. Mm -hmm. And we don't see who this is. This is like a POV camera. Oh, yeah. And there's all the flashing lights in the smoke. Yeah. And then he yeah. walks up so to these two women. So I was thinking women. there was so much smoke so that the like laser lights would be more Obviously. Visible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, duh. Why else would they have that much smoke? I don't know. <laughs> the, the atmosphere. I have been to... You so, want to count somebody them? said, we need some atmosphere in here. Oh. <laughs> like clouds? Weather. <laughs> like clouds. <laughs> oh, shit, I want that right now. <laughs> All they did was tell the crew to start taking their breaks in there instead of outside. <laughs> Solved the problem immediately. This is the smoke room. <laughs> Apparently, according to the interview that I read with Michael Levine, they used to stay up from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. every day for filming. What? And the intention well, was that they would have, like, Skanky would... Remember we surmised Skanky was supposed to be on the day shift? Yeah. I guess in season one, yes. And they were supposed to have scenes that were just Skanky in the day shift. Okay. And then scenes that were just Nick at night. Okay. 
And they were supposed to be like separate. Yeah. But it didn't work. So they just made Skanky on the night shift okay. and did it all at night. Interesting. And Michael was like, it was really hard staying up like that. And the crew was on that schedule for the entire time they were filming a season. Whoa. Which I guess Garrett, when Davies has said like, yeah, it was fucking hard. And I still have a hard time sleeping because for years I stayed up all night. Yeah. Which, I mean, lots of people do third, third shift. Yeah, swing shift. I've done it. All right. Then we get our skanky and Nick in the car. Bro rubbing his face in the Daphne situation? Yeah, that's not <laughs> great. Uh, and, this is our Okay, so there's when you're when you're teasing like a a good guy friend. There's a certain amount of dis like you you pay close attention to how, how uncomfortable you're making the person and kind of what kind of discomfort it is. You're going for embarrassment. But Skanky feels guilt. Yeah. And Nick should be picking up on that. This is not Skanky suffering of embarrassment. This is Skanky suffering from embarrassment with guilt and shame. Yeah. And that's not where you want, like, good-natured, like, teasing to go. Yes. So I think this is a good rule of come thumb on, for Nick. any friendship, much yeah. less guy a guy friendship. Well, yeah, and I'm, I was just coming at it from the guy yeah, but angle. And he is a little bit listening to Skanky vent about this because Skanky's like, man, before Myra, I couldn't get a date with a calendar, and now I'm beating women off with a stick. <laughs> yeah, you are Skanky. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is a theme through the entire series. Oh, I like John Capello Capelos. I, you know. He's cute. I like John Capellos. And he's dad bod. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. He, he has a different type of attractiveness from Garrett Wynn Davies. Right. But that's okay. That's what makes this work. But he's like, you know, women pay more attention to me. Like, even if nobody paid attention before and now a woman every once in a while pays attention to him, that's a 100% increase. Yeah. And he's like, you know, not that she's not cute. I mean, she's tall. She's... Statuesque. Yeah, I'm that. I mean, it would have been fun if I wasn't married. Right. He reminds him. He's like, remember what you said? Myra wouldn't say she'd do. And this is when Skanky's like, (laughs) like, like he has a like a visceral reaction to that statement. Yeah. And in the meantime, we got the club scene. We saw two women, and now. We get another, like, uh uh-oh, a body's getting dumped. And it's one of the women that we saw at the club. But then Skanky and Nick arrive at this house, which looks like the house from forward into the past, but I think we decided it wasn't. Yeah, I think it's just similar style, or it's a different side of the house. Yeah, because it's like the same type of brick and, like, ivy. Yeah. But it doesn't look exactly the same. But this is where we really get our, like, the writer wrote themselves into a corner, and they were like, Fuck it. (laughs) um, (laughs) Normally, Skanky, who is our level-headed detective, is there to temper Nick. But they're sitting in the car outside this consulate that they have no business being at. They they can go ask. Yeah. But as soon as the consulate asks them to leave, they have to leave. But 
my my point for them having no business being here is they have exactly two pieces of evidence. They have Daphne, who we know is an unreliable reporter because she's flirting with Skanky, saying that this, she's pretty sure, is a Kazakhstani piece of jewelry because it looks like it's nicer made than what you can buy in Russia, which is not an objective measurement. And we, we find out from Skanky's info dump about Kazakhstan that Kazakhstan, like just in 1991, yeah, got liberated four years from, ago. Yeah, yeah, 1991. <laughs> or, yes, yeah. Um, so if this jewelry jewelry was made more than like four years ago, then maybe Kazakhstan has better craftsmen in general. I think that's what yeah. Daphne's implying. Right. But, but it would have been part of Russia. We don't have a good piece of this. That, that's not evidence. This right. one lady saying, I think maybe this was made in Kazakhstan. And then a lady who couldn't remember the difference between her dog and her husband saying she saw a car that had a red license plate. Right. That's why we're here outside this consulate. Right. And Skanky's like, I don't know what we've got is pretty thin. You know, if this is, if this is, if we're not right, we could be up to our eyeballs. Like, we're going up shit creek and we're about to toss the paddles out of our own boat. And Nick's like, cool, let's do this. And Skanky's like, yeah, let's fucking do this. <laughs> so they go up to the consulate and they're immediately like, hey, we're police officers and we want to talk to somebody. And this is when we first meet Yuri. And he's like, well, yeah, the ambassador's here in Toronto, but like, what are you gentlemen doing here? And this is when the ambassador shows up. And Nick is like, hi, I'm Detective Nick. And he's like, I don't want your name. I don't want introductions. I want explanations. <laughs> this is, I'm going to say this to the next person that's like, I'm just going to be like, no, I don't want introductions. I want explanations. And they're like, okay, how about this? And he pulls out a, pulls out a picture and he's like, we're pretty sure somebody in your consulate murdered this lady. And the guy's like, nope, couldn't be. And Skanky's like, oh yeah, you didn't look hard enough. Like you didn't, he's like, no, no, I like, I vet my staff. And he's like, why? We run a tight ship here. And he goes, why? If they get out of line, do you throw them in the gulag? Come on. Skanky. What the? F this man has done nothing to you. You literally, you walked into his house. This is a, this is a person that can, with the flick of a wrist, ruin your life yeah. and your career. Yes. And you are throwing, like derogatory stereotypes adam yeah you and nick Dude. did shots in the parking lot <laughs> you worked yourselves up you walked in here and you were like that's right we think and, you guys murdered and now people you're, and now you're fucking up the pickup line and now you're fucking up. and then he keeps going he continues to threaten him he's like you know it'd be better for you if you came downtown and did this because we could make your life a living hell and the ambassador's like you can he's like I I also can do that, and more effectively, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I'm an ambassador from an entire country, <laughs> and you are the partner who had to be partnered with the department wildcard. Because actually, I think we didn't we don't know why they moved precincts, but my head cannon is skanky left because Myra was like. Your partner's a little bit too much. I'd like you to move to a new precinct <laughs> and see if you can settle down. And Skanky's, and like, they maybe they moved to a new house, whatever. And so Skanky was like, hey, I'm moving. Uh, so I put in a transfer to this other uh, precinct I wish because you best it's closer to my house. Uh, it's been nice working with you all. 
great. All right, I'm going to report for my first day at the new precinct. He walks in and... Nick's there. Nick's already there <laughs> at his own desk. And you know you hip- he hypnotized his way in. Because they oh, were yeah. like, he's like, oh my God, when did that guy start? And they're like, well, he's always worked here. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was the one episode where they're like redoing the computer system and uh, the some new database, whatever. Yeah, and they can't find and- anything about him. Yeah, they've digitized all the yeah, records. Yeah, they put in his badge and number. So and he's like, like, no, no, don't do that. The lady's like, oh, like, I just want to practice using this thing. Let me look you up in the database and see what's in here. Hunters. That's hunters. And there's nothing. Yeah. And so I was surprised that there was anything at all. There's this picture and his badge number. Yes, like that's the, it. The, the bare minimum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, it's fine. Don't look that up. And she's he like, exists. oh, it's really weird. <laughs> that's, when, that's when he goes to, is that Aristotle? Or he pays a different guy. I think that one's yeah, a different guy. A different we meet Aristotle later. Yeah. But we get another cool flashback. Because, of course, Skanky's mouthing off to the, <laughs> mouthing so, off. And Nick looks over. And in the next room, he's hallucinating. Yeah. He's disassociating <laughs> the, the, a little bit. Skanky's the, embarrassing him, The flashbacks him, okay? are, are, are evolving yeah. from, like, internal daydreams into <laughs> external hallucinations. <laughs> well, he sees um, Ted Gardner yeah. and some other people, like, talking through this doorway. And then Gardner walks at us, walks at the, and at says, the camera. Hey, Nick. And he goes, hey, Nick, and walks to the doorway. And when he does, the camera pans around and it's the flashback, Nick from the 60s. Yeah. And um, this is when Gardner's like, hey, did you like my speech? And Nick's like, well, it was a little generic. He says, it was okay. And he goes, no, no, tell me how you really feel. And he's like, no, it was a little generic. Like, you were a little light on details. And he's like, well, let's just hope that people are ready to listen to details when we get there. And then he starts trying to recruit Nick. He's like, we could really use you in the campaign trail. A man of... And I trust Angela's recommendations. Yeah, it's the 60s. You're a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white dude. We should probably be on my campaign. Those are your only necessary qualifications. <laughs> and Nick is like, you know what, actually, I don't think I want to. But he does say, he gives him some flattering statements. He's like, oh, I think you're headed to the White House, sir. Like, you're sounding really great. This is going to be good for you. And then Gardner wanders off, and Nick turns, and Lacoste is <laughs> sitting on the couch. So, Rachel, we were watching it, and Rachel says, man, LaCroix needs a hobby. I said, LaCroix has a hobby. His so hobby's this, name is Nick. Now, this begs a really interesting question. Because Nick did not know that LaCroix was there. LaCroix just appears, and he's sitting on this couch, and he has his hand, like, wrapped around the woman's throat next to him. <laughs> is LaCroix a figment? Of Nick's imagination. Ooh. Because he always shows up in these moments when Nick feels unsure of himself. And he picks apart everything that Nick feels unsure about. And current day, Nick is always uh, turning on the radio. And And every time he turns on. on the radio, LaCroix is always on and he's always talking about a theme that's pertinent to Nick's experience in that episode. And we never see LaCroix interact with anyone when Nick isn't there. Once in Bad Blood, there's a scene where Jeanette makes the phone call 
to lure him to the raven mm-hmm. so that he'll be there so that Skanky and Skanky and the intern can take that ill-advised trip. Yeah. But that's it. And we don't really see LaCroix doing anything except whispering in Jeanette's ear. And there's nothing to say that Jeanette doesn't have the same hallucinations that Nick does. Maybe. Did LaCroix actually come back? Well, even in the flashback. Yeah. Like, is LaCroix actually there There? in the flashback? Right. Maybe LaCroix isn't actually around as much as as Nick and Jeanette seem to think he is. And he's actually just off doing his own thing most of the time, but they both have these like persistent hallucinations <laughs> or, yeah. or the sire bond is strong enough that LaCroix can be like, Ooh, Nick is feeling especially anxious right now. I'm going to project myself into his mind. Mm. Something to think about because I, he doesn't interact with anybody else when right. he's there and nobody it, else It would explain why, why it only happens in like, the moments that Nick is feeling especially vulnerable. Yeah. And otherwise, LaCroix just isn't around just incidentally. Right. I would believe that more than LaCroix literally just shadows Nick at all times, ready to pontificate at a moment's notice. Because Nick literally turns and uh, LaCroix goes, yes, the world is watching. And I am watching you, too. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get my favorite, one of my favorite LaCroix quotes, which is his assessment of government. And he says, uh, it's the best form of government is a benevolent tyranny tempered by the occasional assassination. Yeah. And Nick's like, well, I believe in democracy. And he's like, oh, you believe in deception and immorality? Maybe there's hope for you yet. You see, Nicholas, the best form of government is a benevolent tyranny tempered by the occasional assassination. I believe in the democratic form of government. Well, then you believe in corruption, deception, and immorality. Maybe there's hope for you after all. People have a right to choose who will govern. And whom do they choose? Greedy men grasping for power that they will then abuse, like your senator, friend. I believe the White House awaits. Oh, Nicholas. You already have real power. Why waste your time with these pretenders? Politics is a part of their world. A world I would like to belong to. Always have to learn the hard way. (laughs) And Nick's like, God damn it. (laughs) They're all, LaCroix's always playing verbal chess and nick is always playing verbal checkers he's never gonna win because he's not even playing the same game and he continues to be like no this is fine my senator friend is going to be fine everything's fine and laqua goes uh you always do have to learn the hard way foreshadowing such a dad line okay fine learn it the hard way i tried to save you that's what nigel bennett said yeah. He kept in mind for. Right. Oh, and they very things. much frame him that way. Yeah. If he's actually there. <sighs> but then we come back and Skanky's having a conversation with his buddy George on the phone. <laughs> George Manderson. Manderson, who apparently is an old hockey buddy and he works in international relations. And he also smells the shit that Nick and Skanky are stepping in, which is Oleg. Petroshenko, <laughs> like Ole Petroshenko, the ambassador, 
is um not the squeakiest, cleaniest of ambassadors. Right, there, there's some fishy stuff here. Yeah, he turned down the presidency of Kazakhstan. To be the ambassador. So not only are they harassing and antagonizing an ambassador. Just an ambassador locally who has a lot of power. This is someone who has so much political clout back home that they were going to be the president. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Read the room, guys. <laughs> no, they don't, because immediately Cohen is like, Nick, Skanky, get on here. So they go in there, and there's a guy from the RCMP. And he's like, uh, gentlemen, what the fuck? And Nick and Skanky are both like, oh, here we go. Cover up. <laughs> in fact skanky goes do you hear that sweeping sound sounds like something's getting shoved under the rug <laughs> they, <laughs> skanky has no filter maybe maybe skanky's been uh hitting the bottle a bit they did shots in the parking lot i told you <laughs> and it hasn't worn off he's just hiding it well if i were cohen this would be the moment where i'd be like you know what actually i think you gentlemen have been together too long because we know nick is the wild card we don't expect Skanky to be the wild card. Skanky is usually our level-headed partner, but he does cave pretty quickly. And we know historically Skanky cannot stand anyone who comes in and takes over an investigation. Right. And the IA, the RCMP, RCMP, is... Cherry Blossoms who came over and take it over in Cherry Blossoms, it was like immigration. Yeah. And like, so anytime uh, that happens, he he flips his shit. So it So I um I just double checked, but the RCMP um, which is the Royal Canadian, Canadian Mounted, Mounted Police. Police, are like the closest equivalent in the U.S. is the FBI. Yeah. So it'd be like the FBI coming in to an investigate to a police investigation and say, saying we're taking over. Right. And he's like, "Cool, you're going to investigate it." And they're like, "Maybe." They're like, "Yeah, if we um find that he's it, not cool, we'll kick him out." Yeah, we'll we'll put in a recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> to ask him to leave. Right. We'll we'll write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> yes. And Nick is like, mm-hmm. And he's uninterested in this conversation. He's so bored, in fact. He turns and looks at a door. And, <laughs> and he sees Angela walking out of the door. It's actually a door in the poli police precinct. But when, yeah. as soon as she shuts the door, it's the hotel door from the flashback. Yeah. And she's disheveled and crying. And he must be having like a meta flashback, like a, in a flashback flashback to the Hieronymus, Hieronymus Bosch episode. <laughs> where he was getting painted and the woman he was getting painted with got sexually assaulted by Hieronymus Bosch and he tried to help her out and she ended up killing herself, mm -hmm. completing suicide. And again, that's going to happen again. So Nick has to feel like, God, fuck it again. Why does this keep happening to women? Hmm. Huh. Why does this keep happening to women who are around me? <laughs> I think it just happens to women. And if yeah. you're around long enough, it's going to happen more than once. Yeah, that's probably the more accurate. Yeah. So somewhere. he's like, uh, what happened? And she's like, you know what? Forget it. Like, don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And so she leaves. And when he comes back from the flashback, he actually spins back towards the room. And this is the second time this has happened. When they were in the precinct, another precinct, when they were in the consulate, consulate and he was having the flashback, he actually... When the flashback ends, he like turns around in present day, which in means reality. 
that Skanky was like verbally berating the ambassador. And Nick, <laughs> Nick turned away. <laughs> Nick turned like 180 degrees and stood there for a minute and then turned back and looked like, yeah, or I was listening. May- I was maybe, listening. maybe this is symbolic of his internal like turning of attention. Maybe. Back to the conversation. Well, in both times, the transition back is someone from the present starts talking behind him, like mm. appears behind him and starts talking. And it's the ambassador in the consulate and it's yeah. Cohen in the precinct. Yeah. And as soon as she starts talking, he like turns to face Cohen. And when he does, whoop, we're back in the present. I was just watching a video on, um, they were talking about when you have a transition in a video, it's really impactful it's really helpful Mm -hmm. to have audio from one side of the transition bleed over to the other side that makes sense i do that and most of the time you don't see that like a lot of a lot of transitions are just hard cut over but this forever night in in forever night yeah Yeah. but this is a really good use of that audio crossover we did this one other time um, oh, we did this in uh, Love You to Death. Remember, there's the scene where he's talking to Danette about what happened with Sylvain I don't know in the past. What the title. Okay, this is the ballerina one. Ballerina one. Okay, uh-huh. thank you. The one where she was talking, he's telling the story to Jeanette, and Jeanette starts talking to him about how it wasn't his fault, but she appears in the flashback. Yes. And then when he turns, she's there. In the present. So this is, we've used this before and it is super effective. Also a body movement that carries through both the turning as ridiculous as it looks actually makes the whole thing feel fluid. Yes. The, the movement, the continuity of the movement on both sides of the transition is really nice. Yeah, it is. It's really well done. Like the transitions in this whole episode are really smooth and it's enough that I'm not even as bothered by the just total lack of motivation on Skanky's part. Because <laughs> immediately Nick is like, me, 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 me. I'm going to do ow, ow. And he just leaves. And everybody knows that look. Everybody knows that look. Because Cohen turns to Skanky and she's like, make sure he toes the line, detective, because this will cost you both. Yep. Because she knows. And But then Natalie is talking to Nick about the same thing. Yeah, later. Is this the next scene? It's the next scene because he goes down and she's like, well, they found the second body. That's what Cohen calls them back in. She's like, don't jump to conclusions. They found another body. We don't know if they're related. Keep your head in the game. Let the body speak for yourself, for itself. Don't, don't put words in its mouth. Don't shoehorn this into the previous homicide. Keep it together. And so then we cut to Nick is with Natalie. And she's like. I think it's all four of them. No, it's just Nick and Natalie. Because she ends up shouting, you don't want to relocate, do you? Oh, that's right. Because they're actually at the morgue. Because they're actually at the morgue. And she's like, yes, I found massage oil. Yes, everything was similar. You know, she was extremely intoxicated. This guy clearly likes to get them completely under his control. And then he murders them. This is a power thing. But I have nothing that ties this together. I have nothing for you, Nick. And he's like, oh, no, I know who did it. This is very forward into the past where he was yeah. like, well, it's Catherine Berenger. And they're all like, who's Catherine Berenger? Well, he, in forward into and the Elon past, Musk. he had other information that he yeah. couldn't reveal. You don't have that here. He's just like, no, no. I'm- this is purely the Nick Hunch. Yeah. 
This is one of his famous gut feelings. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, no, it was Ole Petrushenko. It was definitely that guy. And I- I'm going to go get him. And Natalie's like, tread carefully. Tread fucking carefully, Nick. And he's like, mm-mm, I'll tread real, I'll fly. I'll tread so carefully. <laughs> I won't I'll, even tread. I won't even tread. I'll just float. I'll just float. And Natalie's like, you don't want to have to relocate, do you? And then she does like a, ugh exasperated hand swipe but he's because he doesn't even look back because he's walking into a flashback he walks out of the morgue and into the hallway and like people in 60s period dress are walking by and then when we turn the camera we're back in 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 the the hotel the venue we've gone forward into the past again and it this is where we walk he walks into the room and he sees a pair of shoes hanging because angela has completed suicide after what happened to her with the senator because it was the 60s and yeah. and also the 90s, so we weren't afraid to show that kind of stuff on television. So I'm not afraid, but we weren't as sensitive to what happens when you put that kind of stuff on television, so we could just use it all over the place. I was thinking about that the other day, how I, I do it sometimes still where I'll be like, I'll just die or whatever. But yeah. the, the like, oh, I'm going to kill myself was such a big like, oh, that's so terrible. I'm going to kill myself. Just a throwaway line, and you're like, God. <laughs> There's a clip from, uh, what was that, like, Nickelodeon comedy show? All that. And there's a clip of the, one of the um, ladies from there just casually talking about oh yeah, losing their will to live or whatever. Yeah. It was, like, crazy what, like, Nickelodeon put on the TV. Oh, it was jokes. Those mad jokes. Oh, yeah. You could say that all you wanted. That mm-hmm. was fine. Yeah. Sensitivity? Who? Who is she? Don't know her. But this is really the end of our flashback because he comes out of the room and, of course, LaCroix is standing there. Not standing there? Is standing there? Is not standing there? LaCroix. LaCroix's visage is present. Yes. He he sees LaCroix. Yes. Yes. And LaCroix is like, hmm, fucking told you. And Nick is like, I don't need this right now. (laughs) And he's like, that's fine. You know, you have the ultimate power. Men in power always use their power to to harm others. You have power. You could use your power to harm others. Harm that guy. He's a dick. And he like points over at the senator. Another casualty in the struggle for democracy. I hate to say I told you so. Your senator friend doesn't care that he abused his power that his lust cost a life he's a politician all he cares about is the scandal that might hurt his campaign (sighs) i can feel your anger i know what you want to do to him do it he deserves to die they all do Get him. It might do you some good. <sighs> I'm not going to do it. Like, I still have faith in justice. I just can't do it. And this is when LaCroix gets his... LaCroix breaks the fourth wall. I love LaCroix. Everything about LaCroix. Including the <laughs> fact that he gets to break the fourth wall in yeah. the middle of this episode. Because he's walking away and he's like, oh, what a decade. War. Ruin. <laughs> uh, assassination. And he goes... The age of Aquarius, indeed. And he, like, stares directly at the camera as the elevator door shuts. What's the age of Aquarius? 
the 60s. All right. The Wikipedia page for Age of Aquarius. Uh, approximate dates for entering the Age of Aquarius range from 1447 Common Era to 3597 Common Era. Well, of course we're living in the Age of Aquarius. It's going to be for the next thousand years. <laughs> well, it was like slang for the, the 60s because... Okay. Aquarius is kind of the air sign, the, I don't know, I'm just going off what Kate has told me here, the more like mystical. I don't want to say woo-woo, but woo-woo is what's okay. coming to my mind. The, the woo-woo expression sign. age of Aquarius in popular culture usually refers to the heyday of the hippie and new age movements yeah. in the 60s and 70s. Woo-woo. The cult era, you know, that time period when everybody and their brother was joining a cult or starting a cult. The clock could have started a cult. That's what he could have done instead of fucking with Nicholas. But here we are. Maybe that's what he was trying to do with Nicholas. And we all know Nick would have joined it. He's already joined a cult on the show. (laughs) He's just never coming at Nick from the right angle. Wrong angle, wrong time. Yeah, exactly. But this is when we go back to the present. And Yuri shows up at the police station. And he's like... I want to tell you all about how the ambassador is a murderer. And Skanky's like, come okay. sit with me for a bit. Let's have a chat. <laughs> I am interested in what you have to say. Yep. Meanwhile, Nick, who Skanky was supposed to be watching, but nobody's watching him. Whoever was on babysitting duty went to get coffee. Nick's and Nick gone. Because he flies to the consulate. Consulate. He said he was going to tread carefully. He did. He flew to the consulate. He even just floats outside the window. <laughs> We're not there yet. And then Yuri is back at the precinct, like, spilling the tea. He's like, the ambassador was missing on the nights of the murder. And, like, he has no proof that he wasn't there. And, like, he beat his, like, mistress to death. And, like, I was the one that drove her to the hospital. And she, like, died on the way to the hospital. And he, like, murdered his wife. And they're like, oh, my God, he killed his wife. And he's like, well, he might as well have because he was, like, really mean to her and stuff. And then she, like, died. <laughs> <laughs> she killed her. She, like, she, she yeah. Yeah. She, could <laughs> say it again. He wouldn't say it in that voice. But, yeah, like, he basically pushed her until she was willing to just, she just wanted to leave Until it all she behind. broke. Yeah. yeah. Like, you got to do something to stop him. And then we cut to Nick. because Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to do something. And then we cut back to Nick because Nick is, like, floating outside the window. I want them to do – he just, like – Weirdly, like, he, like ele- from the side. He, like, elevators up. And I want them to do the, like, move him around a little bit. Like, he's drifting in the oh, wind yeah. slightly. They never do. <laughs> I never get that satisfaction because he's just standing outside the window. And we're supposed to think he's floating, but he's Come watching. Come on, Lost Boys did it. He is not, like, stealth outside this window. If no. this ambassador turned around at any moment, he'd, he'd be like, oh, stop. Just drops down. <laughs> what was that? What the shit? <laughs> There's a pale face outside my window. <laughs> oh my god! Because he's just, and then he gets like red eyes or orange eyes, but they're not glowing. They're just oh yeah, and he's just floating orange. out there. Because he's like, oh with yeah, his vamp eyes. Get, get them pearls out of the drawer. Oh yeah, because he sees him pull the pearls out of the drawer, and he like and look at them and look at them, and the the ambassador turns sideways and when he turns back nick is standing behind him <laughs> how did nick get in that quickly <laughs> how did he get in he came through the chimney 
through the chimney like evil Santa Claus. <laughs> no, the, the bathroom window was open because he just had a stinky one. <laughs> and so Nick flew in the window. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But he's just standing behind. Nobody questions it. Nobody. <laughs> nobody asks it, how he got into this it place. It works. It is a consulate. This should be a fucking fortress. <laughs> this man appeared. They all immediately know he appeared because he marches the ambassador out through the front door. <laughs> but nobody in the building would have seen him come in. No. No, they would not have, Matthew. And they also have cameras, I'm sure. <laughs> so if they check, the, they probably have exterior cameras. <laughs> So if they check the exterior cameras, first, this police detective is literally floating outside like a second story window. And then he disappears and reappears behind the ambassador. Or they see him fly in through the bathroom window, whichever one you want to go with. And then he's marching him out of the consulate, having never entered the consulate <laughs> The RCMP guy knows Nick is at the consulate before Nick even arrives at the precinct with the ambassador. Because he comes in and he's like, I demand you turn Knight over to me. And Cohen's like, uh-uh, I don't have to do that. And that's when Nick walks in the door and he's like, I got him. I did it. <laughs> and they're like. <laughs> and at this point, the ambassador and the RCMP guy should have both been like, all right. We're we're done. Ambassador, you're free to go. Yeah. Nick, into Out. a cell. You're under arrest. Yeah. They, yeah. they very well should have. Because they're like, he arrested him on foreign soil. He abducted him. He abducted him from the consulate. We don't even Can, fucking know how he got. He broke into um, the consulate. Oh yeah. How did he get <laughs> how did he get him back if he flew to the consulate? <laughs> did he did he steal yes. the diplomatic car? He stole a limousine. Okay, so he <laughs> he trespassed. Yes. He abducted the ambassador. Yeah. Transported him across international boundaries. Yes. <laughs> to this like rinky dink 96 precinct. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then walked in like he's the hero. Right. And the RCMP guy is like, uh, He's subject to Kazakhstani justice. They could ask for the death penalty, and they very well could. And then Nick brings the ambassador in. He's like, "Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I did it. And Cohen's like, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did you do, Nick? What the actual fuck? You know that's what she's thinking, but yeah. she's got to take his side. She's got to she's got to walk the middle road here. She put he put her in such a difficult position cuz the RCMP guys like take off the cuffs. And Nick is like, "Uh uh." And Cohen's like, <laughs> "I don't win." Nick's like, Cohen's like, "Nick, do it. Take the cuffs off." And he's like, "Fine." So he takes the but only cuz she told me to. So he takes the he takes the cuffs off. And then he's like holding them and he does <laughs> Okay, okay. So in uh Reference to all the Dune stuff. <laughs> Oleg says, ah, good. Discipline. <laughs> He'll only listen when she speaks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but then he's holding the cuffs and he looks at Cohen and he does this like hmm, smirk thing. 
<laughs> like, I'm still winning. <laughs> because then they all go to Cohen's office. The ambassador does not have to engage. He could have just left. That yep. would have been the most powerful thing to do in this moment. Not stay and engage. Because they all go in to the office and Cohen is like, Nick, you should have told me we were going to get ready to do this. And Nick is Nick walks behind her desk and stands behind her in another like dick power move where he's like, well, I knew he was the bad guy and my job is to catch bad guys. So I caught the bad guy. And she's like, <sighs> OK, OK, fine. And this is when Skanky comes in and Skanky's like, well, we got a witness who says she can identify the guy who picked her up at the club. And how convenient that the ambassador is here. Right, because they've taken the ambassador to the interrogation room to, quote, give him everything he wants. And then they take this woman in, and they're having a conversation she, with I this woman. I think she does a good job of um, being convincing that you know she was there, she was along with this thing, she yeah. left. And she's like, I'm just not into she, threesomes, you know? Yeah, and yeah, then... You don't have to be. But then... Yeah, she's oh, she's like convinced. She's like convincingly like crying and sad that her friend is dead and feeling guilty that she left her friend behind. And then they're like, "Is this him?" And she turns around. And she's like, "Nah." She's like, "Nope, ain't it? Not it." And she's he's like, way too old. Yeah, I would never have gone back to a room with him. Ew, he's all like, ew. ew. His hair looks like it was cut by a weed whacker. <laughs> They do look kind of similar, though. Yeah. Just way too old. <laughs> I thought I recognized her, so I looked her up. She's yeah. in He Never Died. She's the love interest in oh, He Never Died. Oh, okay. I also thought she looked familiar. We but should it... do He Never Died. Yeah. If you haven't watched He Never Died, one. go for it. It's a, it's good. It's so good. It's so good. It's kind of vampire-y. He's like a vampire yeah. who eats some solids. He's a cannibal, I think is how they describe him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, obligate cannibal. Yeah. But then once they once they are like, no, it's not the ambassador because this woman didn't ID him. They just leave and they leave Nick there to like go about his business and be like, we'll call you later about the extradition for your death penalty hearing. <laughs> like, <it's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. We're, you expect a formal extradition request within the next 24 yeah, hours. And Nick is not even pretending like he gives a <laughs> shit. He's well, not even okay. like a little bit. He's so, like, well, oh, I hear like the weather's really nice over there right now. For Nick... It kind of makes sense because, but you gotta pretend, right? You you gotta keep a uh, what what's <laughs> you have to stay dedicated to the bit, like you, yeah, you're playing yeah. a human police officer. That's a resident of Toronto. You can't just make snarky comments and do nothing to mitigate this incoming extradition request for you to get transported to another country and probably get executed regardless of the fact that you personally will be able to you know just fly away and escape the the consequences there's probably going to be consequences for skanky too so i was trying to 
imagine. Right. I was I trying mean, to I rationalize. Think Nick was trying to avoid the consequences for Skanky, which is why he went a little rogue. That's what he told Natalie. He was like, if anyone's career is going to be on the line, it's going to be my career. And she's like, yeah, but then your career will be gone and you'll have to leave and all of everything that we've done together and the entire life we've built together and every moment of research that we've worked on together. And, and any all of the chance last two years, of, of us getting together in the future will be gone. I literally mean less to you than solving this case. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A future with Natalie means less than his gut feeling about this case yeah about the two pieces of evidence that he got so i was trying to rationalize why the ambassador would have stayed yeah and i have a theory okay so the ambassador knows that he personally did not kill these women it was his son and he knows that Nick and Skanky are going to keep working on this case. They're going to keep working to find the real killer. So if he if he convinces everybody that it's not him, Nick and Skanky are going to shift to possible alternative suspects. Like his son that works in the consulate under an assumed identity. If he can stay in the police station and stay engaged with it, like keep their attention on him, keep all of their suspicion on him, but then use his diplomatic immunity to diffuse all that effort and yeah. just make any action they might make go away. If they're convinced that he's the killer and and they, like, are confident about that, then that gives Nick and Skanky closure on the case. And he has no consequences personally. Right. And that protects his son. Yes. Whereas if he leaves, they're going to find out about his son eventually. Right. So that's the, that's my theory about I mean, that's why decent. the ambassador might have hung he's around to, in the police He's here to station. field suspicion. Yeah. To deflect, yeah. deflect it away from his son. Right, because he's in a position where if they find out it's his son, he lied to get his son into the consulate. So his son's not actually protected. The ambassador right. still is. So if he can keep all the suspicion focused on him, so much the better. Right. But still, Nick is not even pretending to take this seriously. He's like, looks like I'm going to be killed in Kazakhstan tomorrow. Well, at least the weather's nice. And Skanky's like... Man, are you okay? He's like, actually, you know what? I don't give a shit. Daphne's really freaking me out. Because <laughs> Daphne walks by. Oh, okay. Like, literally, we just had this. We had a huge diplomatic, like, misstep upheaval by your partner who literally broke into a consulate and removed the ambassador and brought them back to the precinct. But, yeah, let's continue the joke about the forensics lady who likes you. That's fine. This is the yeah. moment for that. And then he takes a sip of his coffee and he's like, look, and he sets the cup down. And that's our transition. Yeah. Cup oh, down, so cup one, cup. one more thing about the ambassador staying in the police station. While he's keeping Skanky and Nick's attention on him. If he can rile them up and get them to do more egregious yeah. missteps, he can get them punished and removed from the force. 
Right. And that that removes any danger to him, continued danger f- to him or his son from Nick and Skanky. Right. Yeah. And Nick's like reasoning for all of this because Skanky's like, why are you pushing this? And he's like, men who use their power to hurt other people need to be exposed and hurt. <laughs> he's a little unhinged. He's kind, a little unhinged. Kind of like Natalie's reaction <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. When she just, yeah, when she's like, "Oh, you know how it goes." About it. First, you start to date a guy, and then you start to like him, and then you trust him, and then you open yourself up to him, and then he violates you like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that. Uh, Natalie and no Nick have okay, a similar vibe. Both of them therapy. were betrayed. Yeah, and and they they want vengeance. Maybe Nick recognizes the part of himself that would more than happily use his power. Oh, yeah. Because at any moment, everyone in the room... Uh, he just integrated a shadow. I mean, he's a shark, and he lives with fishes. And every at any moment, he could eat one of the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to live every moment knowing that he has complete power over everybody around him, and he is not exercising it. So when he sees other people doing it, using that power, it's like, I am fighting so fucking hard to not do that right now. And you're just doing it. And I'm real mad about it. And he's a little unhinged when he talks to Skanky about it because he's like, they are not beyond the law, Skanky. They need to be brought to justice. And Skanky's like, oh, my God, this coffee is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Bang. Bang. And then we go to the flashback. And this is when um, Gardner is like, we're not going to overreact to this. It's fine. Um, Yeah, Angela believed in me and like, I'm going to do everything in my power to honor her her belief. And Nick. Nick is about to throw down. He stands up like, all right, it's been 100 years, but I think I can remember how to do this. At this point, it's been like 60, 40 years, 50 years, 60. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 60s to 90s. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's been 70 years. Yeah. He's like, all right, let's do this. And that's when this guy gets the phone call because he's uh, literally saved by the bell. (laughs) And uh, he has been asked to like, it won't go in the paper. If he steps down and doesn't continue his campaign. Yeah. Or there won't be an investigation. Yeah. And Nick's like, all right, well, that's kind of justice. He also didn't kill Hieronymus Bosch, if you remember correctly. If I remember correctly, which I do. He didn't kill Hieronymus Bosch either. So both times he's encountered this, he didn't kill the guy. Nick. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, Bosch, I would would more believe he would have killed him in that flashback because it was old and... Everybody died of like syphilis all right. the time. So you could actually, I don't think syphilis existed yet. Everybody just died the of plague. like. Of whatever. They just died of the tripping plague. Tripping or like yeah. the cold. Yeah. yeah. You went outside when it got rainy and you died. So he could have just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he could have just, you know, that would have been easy to fold into everyday life. But killing a prominent senator would have been a bit much. Yeah. But Skanky has found out from his friend George, who did give him a call back. That Petroshenko has a son, and his son, def- like, he came to Canada. Address unknown. Hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so this part I find really interesting, because that's the only information that Skanky provides to Nick. And Nick is like, I know what's happening here. And he just turns around and walks beelines to the, uh, to the ambassador. And he's like, ambassador, I know what you did. And Skanky, I, Skanky, without any prior conversation with Nick, <laughs> goes, 
you disposed of the bodies. They were they were totally they were totally in sync. They were simpatico in that whole, moment. This whole theory. They just looked at each other and they were like, "Yep, yep," and then they just walked over <laughs> to the ambassador <laughs> because they there was no discussion. They were just like, they didn't get their stories straight. Let's yeah. do this. They did their secret handshake and then they walked over and then they just seamlessly because then immediately Nick is like. Yeah, and I bet you employed him under a different name. And that means he doesn't have dipl- diplomatic immunity because he was in- employed under false pretenses. So you're using your immunity to cover him, cover for him. And the ambassador's like, damn, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just continued bluffing. They have no proof. Right? They have nothing. They don't even know what his they don't know what his son looks like. They have they would have to formally request well, all of uh, those records. Nick- Nick's speculation, this speculative is just uh, like that that guy that looked like the other guy. guy 30 years older. Well, he's saying that you would have employed him under like under a different name, say as the attache yeah. at the consulate. And I think that the the all of the correct speculation is what convinces the ambassador that Oh, you got me. Not just convinces the ambassador. Not just convinces him because he's like, um, yeah, you're right. It is my son. And I know right where he is. And I want to talk to him first. I'll tell you where he is, but I want to talk to him first. And they're like, cool. And then the ambassador gets in Nick's car. <laughs> <laughs> the ambassador of Kazakhstan gets in the back of Nick's. The ambassador who just formally requested extradition for Nick. <laughs> Nick just broke into his house, <laughs> hauled his ass down to the precinct, and he was like, yeah, I'll get in the back. Not a problem. <laughs> no bodyguards, no backup. <laughs> I can see why they don't take, like, the, the car, right? They don't take the ambassador's car, because he's, he's this is a cover-up situation. He doesn't well, want... it's it. a stolen vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's parked out. But he's still trying to cover for his son a, a little bit, right? He right. doesn't want this to become a big thing. He's got to do it on the lowdown. But that doesn't mean that, like, the RCMP guys should not have ridden with them. Right. These these police officers have zero track record of good good, good decisions. <laughs> with the ambassador. <laughs> with the ambassador. And then they let him ride in the back of this guy's car. And he's like trying to empathize with them he's like you do the same for your child like if your child was a murderer you'd do the same thing and nick's like actually i made this woman into a vampire one time because she wanted to be pretty and she murdered like two dudes and i stabbed her and lit her on fire (laughs) (laughs) so you're wrong you are incorrect you thought (laughs) you thought don't don't put that on me. I would absolutely murder my children if they murdered people. Uh, in fact, I have. In fact, I have. <laughs> and I didn't even know the people she murdered. <laughs> they were dicks. She said, I said, I give a they, they were complete assholes. Like for years. <laughs> They're horrible people. I hated them. Yeah. I would have killed them myself. But no, she killed them. I killed her. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> he even looks a little face. He even gives the little face like, mm, you don't know me. And Skanky's just quiet because I don't know how Skanky feels in this moment. He's probably like. And I don't think Skanky wants to um, trigger Nick right now. No, no. 
Nick is Nick's on the edge. Skanky's got to know that because he's seen this before. He's been on a Nick rampage with Nick before, and Nick is on a rampage because the ambassador takes them to 90s club. I don't think it has a name. I think we mentioned its name one time, but it's like uber 90s club. But club it's the club, club from the POV. Yeah, it is. Earlier. And then we find out, like, we get another POV moment, but then we find out it's Damir? Damir? Damir. Demir. Thank you. Me and names. Um, Demir, who is actually Yuri. Yuri Demir. Demir the son. The attache well, was. Yeah, Demir. his false yeah. name was Yuri. Right. And right. he is out um, I wonder hunting. It's probably a nickname for Vladimir. Demir? Yeah, because um, I've, uh, I've heard people pronounce it as Vladimir. Oh, okay. Uh, like speaking Russian. Demir sounds And good. so Demir is probably yeah. a nickname of. Let's, Vladimir. Let's go with it. Because it's a vampire reference. <gasps> Vlad. Wow. <laughs> the killer. <laughs> the strangler. The, the poker. <laughs> Vladislav the poker. All right. So um, Demir's out uh, hunting. And so he finds this woman and he was serving up some pretty banging lines. They were so oh good. Oh my gosh. They were so good. Matt almost died. <laughs> I actually, I successfully like didn't absorb the, the lines <laughs> so like, i actually i goes, missed I out on the audio for this goes, whole section i see beyond your beauty i see your passion oh i i saw i heard the line i just met you and i can tell you're so intelligent <laughs> i was like how do you fucking know you haven't even had a conversation with her i can tell by the shape of your tits <laughs> yes. they're so you're wearing such a nice bra. You must such make such a good great money. neckline. It's a good neckline. I don't know. He doesn't care. She doesn't care. It's fine. It doesn't. But I, the the fact yeah. that you were so uncomfortable was hysterical. <sighs> I wish he had done some really over the top cheesy like pickup lines. Like, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Yeah, because <laughs> you're an angel. Or are you a quadrilateral equation? Because I want to be tangential to your curves. <laughs> You're welcome. And then we cut back to the car. <laughs> the car. <laughs> and Skanky's like, I mean, I get that you wanted to save your kid and all, but you shouldn't have given up the presidency. As if he could have continued to be a president when his son was a serial killer. But that's cool. And this is when the the ambassador's like, um, under certain circumstances, power is meaningless. And I kind of wish I hadn't focused on my career and I had, had instead focused on my son because maybe we wouldn't be here. Maybe he wouldn't be a psychopath. I'm guessing the problem is that you covered for him. Right. Right. Th this isn't the fact that you focused it, on your career. It, it, it's that you mm -mm. you compromised on yeah. disciplining your child his entire life. Yeah. And so literally he has never had to experience the negative consequences of his actions. Right. So that's why he is unaware that actions have negative consequences. Correct. Right. But they arrive at the club. And as soon as they walk into the club, Demir is like, Daddy! And he like pulls out his gun. I can't believe you brought them here! Oh my god! And he like points his gun at the woman and everybody's like, ah, take cover! And so they all dip. And all of a sudden we're like alone at this in this club and i love the line because he's like no my son like we could be together you can be my son and he like brandishes the gun again and he goes do you want them to shoot you dead you don't tell me what to do if you want these men to shoot you dead what will i have then what will we have please <laughs> 
that 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 new parental style really lasted a long time. Yeah, I just that line just I think for some reason is hysterical because he's like, "Do you want these men to shoot you dead?" in his like accent. Yeah, and uh, Yuri, does, I don't I don't think Demir even has a line in this scene. He's just like staring intently at his father, and his dad's like, "We all make mistakes." Um. Clearly, this isn't working, what we're doing here right now, because you're murdering women and I'm disposing of the bodies. So, so <laughs> let's, someone, let's try changing our strategy Choices here. have been made. I'm not sure that they're leading us in the right direction. Let's try a different approach. And we get like a close-up of the hand, close-up of the gun, close-up of the hand, close-up of the gun. And then the woman's like, ah! and she just yeets. Right. Yeah. He's handing the gun over to his dad. Yeah. But then- she like panics. This is why you shouldn't judge a woman's intelligence by <laughs> having just seen her. Because, girl, hold a minute. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he would have shot her. We don't know. But he ends up shooting his dad because she bolts and ruins the moment. And he just fires at his father. And for once, he, Nick doesn't take she, the bullet. She breaks the tension of the moment. Yeah. Like hot dog fingers. <laughs> oh, God. Don't. 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 <laughs> Don't bring that movie into this right now. <sighs> but Nick is like, oh, good. I didn't take that bullet, which means I can still continue to f- chase after this guy. Because he flies after them. and then Literally. Literally. And then he, like, decks Demir into the trash. Uh, uh, he, he just one-armed backhand tosses him yeah, into he's the like, trash. Yeah, he's like, into the trash. While this woman's watching. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, thank God, kind sir. And he's like, yes, that's right. You may hug me. <laughs> so, <laughs> hug. And then we cut to the precinct. He's still wearing the same shirt, so it must be the same vest. The same light blue vest, dark blue shirt, gray. I didn't even notice. Jacket, black pants. <laughs> he had like, I noticed everything was a different solid color. Maybe Nick gets dressed in the dark and he just goes off shades. He's like, well. Maybe Nick is colorblind. Could be. Would the being a vampire fix that? It could have fixed that, but his brain would have formed before without the ability to discern colors. Well, listen, listen. Maybe he gets dressed in the dark (laughs) and we know his night vision is like infrared. He only sees in shades of red. Which means when he's getting dressed, everything looks red. Maybe he thinks he's always wearing red and black. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Skanky's like, wow, the last time I punched a guy, I broke every hand bone in my hand. Or at least it felt like it. And Nick's like, meh, it was just a little tap. Not from that bruise on Demir's jaw, it wasn't. It's not like the kid didn't deserve it. If that bullet were to hit a few centimeters out of the way, his father would have been heading home in a cargo-class pine box. I mean, what kind of cycle are we talking about here, huh? I mean, what gets into the kid's head that he doesn't realize his actions don't have any consequences? I guess it's true what they say about power corrupting? Absolutely. What? Never mind. It's fine. I could have really killed him. You should see what happens when I use my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't done that for a hundred years. I haven't years. done that in a while. Whew. Dust off the old granium for that one. So then they sit down at the desk, and Skanky's like, man, I guess it's true what they say about power corrupting. And Nick goes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and Skanky's like, what? He's never like, mind. No, never mind. This is when Daphne shows up. Do we get wrap-up for anything else? Fucking no. Do we find out how they're going to punish them for the fact that they got oh, up we, to some shenanigans? We, we find out 
that the ambassador survives. Oh, and he leaves, I think. He goes back home because um, Skanky says it's a good thing that he didn't, he wasn't off by a couple of centimeters or he would have been heading home cargo style in a pine box. Yes. So I think he like left just to get away from the scandal. To get away from those police officers. <laughs> get away from Nick. Because, you know, he like, he went home like, oh, God, that and maybe, was a really rough Maybe night. he just, he hush-hushes everything just to the, avoid the embarrassment. No, no. He went home and he was like, God, that was a really rough night. And he turned around like to shut the bathroom window and Nick was outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just, no, no. No, no, wait, wait. Nick was outside the bathroom window and he just did the eye point thing where he points at his eyes and then pointed at the and then the ambassador in the back in the like closes his bathroom door <laughs> and then turns around and the claws there. <laughs> no! Lacroix <laughs> ah! <laughs> cleaning up loose ends As so usual. that Nick can stay in his comfy spot. Yeah, I don't yeah. For now. Even For though now. he tried to force him out like two months ago. <laughs> um but Daphne Lacroix's Mercurial. Daphne shows up again. And this is when she gives Skanky the tickets to a hockey game. They the, say ice on the back. Yeah. Well, That's they're, they're the know. Leafs, which I think it's the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Ducks. I don't know who the Ducks are. But he's she's like, I heard you're a big the hockey fan. The Mighty Ducks. There's like multiple movies even, about no, them. No, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. I don't are know much about Canadians, but I think hockey universe. matters. <laughs> So the Mighty should... Ducks movies occur in the same cinematic universe as Forever Night. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this up. That's not helping. Okay. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Stop. He's giving me this like significant look like, no, I'm right. Don't look it up. There's no Google. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I was gonna okay. see if Emilio Estevez was ever in Forever Night. You know, some Estevez was. All right, so Daphne gives Skanky these tickets, and she's like, "Woo woo, Skanky tickets!" And he's like, "Daphne, we can't be together. I, I, I'm married." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I knew that. Why don't you take your wife? You, yeah, they, you and, these are for you and Myra. Yeah, these are for you and Myra." And he's like. I can't accept these, which is exactly what he should do. Skanky acts exactly the way he should in this situation, which is, I cannot accept these at all. And so he hands them back to her very politely. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it. And he's like, why don't you take Nick? He's single. And so she looks over at Nick and Nick's like, yeah, I like hockey. I'd go with you. And she goes, I think I'll ask Lipinski. And then she just <laughs> leaves. And Nick is like, is that what that feels like? Huh, huh, huh. I had no idea. No, I feel... Emilio Estevez was not in Forever Night. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> that doesn't rule that out. It doesn't rule it out. It does not rule it out. You are correct. I don't know where to go with that, so I'm just going to leave it. But, And that's it. That's the end of our episode of Beyond the Law. And uh, clearly you had a lot of fun talking about that one. <laughs> oh, no. The Mighty Ducks was 1992. Right time period. Holy shit. The Mighty Ducks came out in 1992. They're not a major league team, though. Aren't they kids? And uh, the second one came out in 1994. Just like the second season of Forever Night. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no. 
The third movie, 96. <laughs> oh, it's canon now. <laughs> They're in the same universe. <laughs> I want to see an episode where... <laughs> I want to see an episode where Nick takes over a Little League hockey team and, like, teaches them how to play hockey. And then LaCroix takes over a little league hockey team and teaches them how to play hockey. And then they have like an epic hockey off hockey game. And LaCroix's team just straight up murders all the other kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe we'd get to see Daniel again. Remember the kid they turned into a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember uh, that guy? Do we ever find out more no, about what happened to him? No, we don't fucking find out what happened to him. We forgot he happened. It's a miracle, honestly, that you can put the flashbacks in chronological order and there's no overlap. I don't know who's keeping track of that, but good job, you. What can you put in chronological order? The flashbacks. Oh, okay. There's never a contradiction in the flashbacks. Yeah, someone had a spreadsheet. I mean, they had 800 years to work with, but they do tend to gravitate towards the more memorable time periods. The Renaissance, the Crusades. Right, so they're... They're concentrated in historical periods. Yeah. Most of them are. Some of them are kind of timeless. Like the flashback that shall not be named. We don't know when that one happens. Okay. We all know what one that one is. I'm looking at you episode where LaCroix kills his father in effigy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm still not over that flashback. I feel like that was one of the first ones they did. They were like, we need filler. And they were like, okay, what about if LaCroix like... Killed his, killed his father in effigy. And they're like, what for? And they're like... Just just for fun. Just for know. kicks. It's for filler. We're going to cut it out for the other... For the American version anyway. But then they must not have cut it out. Yeah. Maybe they put the other Euro minutes in there so they would have something to cut out so they wouldn't have to cut out the flashbacks. Because can you imagine... Can you imagine for a moment watching Forever Night for years... And then you get a hold of the copy that played on, like, international TV, and it has flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. That would be, like, the holy grail. You'd be like, what? Here's what it would be like. It would be like you only ever watch the theatrical release of Waterworld, and then you see it comes on TV, and you watch it. And there's a whole bunch of scenes that you've never seen before. So that happened to me. I think we've discussed that. I love Waterworld. I had Waterworld memorized because I had it on tape. It came on the sci-fi channel. I recorded it so that I could watch it. I was watching it and it had a bunch of scenes I had never seen before. And I thought I was in an alternate reality. And I was so unsettled. I had to turn it off. Because nowhere in the advertising did they say that it was the extended cut, even though it was the extended cut. Yeah. But that's because I read too many sci-fi novels. (laughs) And instead of thinking, oh, there must be an extended cut, I thought, oh my God, I'm in an alternate reality where Waterworld is longer. (laughs) You're welcome. That's a view into my mind. I'm fine. I'm stable. I'm high functioning. (laughs) You're high functioning. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do have time. I do have trouble with human ages sometimes. 
What are you Googling, honey? Oh, IMDb has a collaboration and overlap search. Oh, so you can put no. in two properties. <laughs> are you looking up the Mighty Ducks and Forever Night? <laughs> I feel like there's a fan fiction somewhere where there's a crossover. <laughs> there's a Doctor Who Forever Night flashback or Forever Night crossover. I know Faux Shizzle, there's a Highlander Forever Night one because I may have written one. But there's more than that. You may too. have written multiple. Man from Uncle. There's a Man from Uncle flashback or f- crossover with um, Forever Night. There's a whole world of fan fiction out there. 30 years worth of it. And I just posted one of my fan fictions on Patreon. Hey. It's a Patreon exclusive. Sorry. So you gotta you buy your way into that. Oh, yeah. A whole dollar. That, that's how you draw them in. <laughs> a whole dollar. I just ah, there's no crossover between Forever Night and either uh, any of the three Mighty Ducks movies. Um, that we know of. Well, it's not on IMDb. There's no overlap in the cast. But as we learned, you have to submit information to IMDb. So maybe something got removed. Maybe. It got anti-memed. <laughs> out of existence because the knowledge of the crossover was too powerful anyway i'm working through my fan fiction that's up on fanfiction.net and once i get all that up on patreon i have a lot of random forever night faction sites that i need to scour to check for which are still maintained because there are so many a lot of them went down well right but people have archived them yes and there is one lady who worked very hard to put a lot of them back up and to archive them and to get them on active servers again. And thank you very much because it's really interesting to think of the f- the internet. So we predate like internet available in your home. We don't predate the internet. The internet because right. that would make us like real old. Um, but we are like, I didn't have the internet in my house growing up. So to think of the internet as something that requires like archival um archival preservation is really interesting and so there's these this whole host of flashback of why do i keep saying flashback instead of the word i mean to say it's because i'm stuck in a flat i need to do a, a turnaround like i need to do a 180 clearly i need to turn around and get out of the flashback but there's all of these sites that I interacted with when I was younger, when this was airing on sci-fi, that were just up. And to me, they were always going to be up. So it was fine. Right. And then yeah, all of a feel, sudden... It feels like the internet is like, you open up a web page, it will always be there. There it is. And then over time, I mean, these things have aged. They're all 25, 30, 35 years old now. And they're all gone. And you're like, holy shit. I'm as old as some of these websites or I'm that's just wild to think of that these things have been up for so long that the people who've originally coded them and put them up have passed or they've forgotten about them or like the computer that hosted it died. Right. Or the one that cracks me up is there's the forever night um, email server. Oh, the list serve, the list serve. There's some college that hosts that listserv they've hosted that listserv for 30 years which means on some random server somewhere there's this tiny little snippet of code that's just been passing emails through for 30 years 
Yep. They just have a directory of files. All they did was turn off archive. So none of it's archived. So it's not taking up any storage space. Yeah. It's only relaying emails now. So every time they probably image that hard drive and copy it over to another one, that tiny little piece of code just gets carried over. Yep. Like... It's almost like genes, like non-expressed genes, like being a carrier for some kind of genetic disorder. You don't know you have it, and you could pass it on to an infinite number of children before it gets expressed, before this tiny piece of code that's been passing through these forever night emails forever finally pops up and someone's like, what is that? What's that (laughs) doing there? I thought we were hosting this. (laughs) How long have we been hosting this? You know the person who set it up, is probably retired. Like they went to. Oh co- yeah. They went to yeah. college. They graduated. They got a career. They've had their entire career, and they've retired. And that little thing that they left is still running. That's just wild. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's one of the most interesting things about aging with a fandom. Like being in a fandom for so long is not. It's just watching the things age. And be right. preserved. And the, the websites are more like buildings on like a, a street. Yeah. And there's a business here. And oh, oh, like that. there's that furniture store. And that furniture store has been here for so long. And then, you know, you leave for a while and you come back like, oh, it's time to buy some furniture for my house. I remember that furniture store from growing up. Let me go shop there. And it's closed down and, like, the entire building's gone. Yeah. Buffy's getting a sequel. I've been noticing a lot of Buffy stuff, a lot of Buffy memes, a lot of Buffy podcasts. Usually you can track memes. That's one of my favorite things to do. Marketing has gotten really good at using the whole meme sphere for a whole nother branch of advertising. Yeah. I like to pick up on, oh, wow, there's been a huge uptick in friends memes there's been a huge a huge uptick in gilmore girls memes yeah there's been a big uptick in buffy memes that's usually like oh we're about to reboot that property yeah they they start they start hyping they up it, the memes they get it back like in the zeitgeist beforehand yeah. they get it back in the zeitgeist and that way everybody's primed for it yeah and i was like buffy's getting a sequel just putting this out into the universe i know a television show that could definitely use an awesome reboot. Forever Night. You're looking at oh, me like, that one. You're looking yeah. at me like I don't know what we're talking about. Like we don't have I, an entire. I was playing pod- along for the bit. It's so popular. There's one whole podcast. I looked up vampire television show podcasts, and it's like Buffy, 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 and then like way. I think we're number eighteen. Come in 81 Kilo, a Forever Night podcast. <laughs> and then Buffy, 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 yeah. Buffy, Buffy. And then uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Vampire the Masquerade, Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. The, the game, like people playing the game. Yeah, I, I, I was just Googling around for yeah. to see where we showed up. And there's a, apparently a whole bunch of podcasts that are mostly unedited, but some edited recordings of live action role play vampire the masquerade you played masquerade it was good yeah we didn't do the live action part yeah but i just thought that that i think is hysterical i mean of course buffy got seven seasons yeah um it's contemporary they're contemporary with each other did they have overlap 
think Buffy or, the first, no, I think Buffy's a little bit later, actually. I think yeah, the first Buffy season of Buffy's that. like 97, 98, somewhere in there. But I mean, I watched some of Buffy. It was all right. But it's teenage drama. I don't know. It's never been my jam. Even when I was a teenager, I was like, fuck this. I live this. I don't want this. And now I'm like, ugh, teenagers. So I don't watch that either. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I don't know. I thought that was really, really funny. And so if you feel like looking that up and you want to crack up like I had cracked up, please do. It's hysterical because um, literally no one else is doing Forever Night. Because to me, Forever Night's like this cool, seminal, like... It's iconic. It's an iconic property. It's like the vampire detective property. This is it, y'all. This is the this is it. This is the first one. Mm-hmm. And we're all just gonna be like, cool, but let's not talk about it. Yeah. What? It's just wild to me. There's a couple other fans that have been in this with me as long as I've been in this, and I keep stumbling across them. Like every time I join something, they're in there. Yeah. Or when they join it, I'm in there. That's another thing that happens. It's like Wow, it's like internet friends that are not really friends, but like... In- internet acquaintances that you've been bumping into for 25 years? Yeah, because we move in the same community, but it's a digital community. And so yeah. I, it's just interesting because to me, when we had forums, things felt more like communities. Yeah. Because you had these destinations that you went to, to interact on forums or in chat rooms or whatever. And I guess that's sort of what Facebook is, but it doesn't feel the same sort of... It's because you have to, like, actually explore, whereas, like, Facebook, it's a feed that's provided for you. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. Eh, Anyway, that's, I just thought that was interesting. But all that to say, if you want to chuck out a buck uh, to our Patreon, you can read my fan fiction. (laughs) You can also Teen- go find angsty it. Angsty Rachel Teenager. So angsty. Fan fi- fan oh, my God. And just, I didn't edit it, any of it. I just copied and pasted it and put it up because it's like a time capsule of me when I was watching this the first time through. And it's hysterical and poorly written. And I have a whole ode to the purple jacket, which I haven't put up yet. But clearly the purple jacket has been preoccupying me for decades. <laughs> decades. Because <laughs> I wrote a whole story about it. And I wrote a couple of crossovers, including with Buffy. And I'm going to have to dig those up because those are not on fanfiction.net, which means they're somewhere else. Yeah. And I wrote under like 15 pen names. So if you think you're just going to go find them without me having to tell you, you're not. Because I was, you know what? I grew up in a very conservative, very religious household. It was not okay for me to watch vampire stuff. I had to record this during the day, and then I had to watch it myself at night alone in my room. I had like a TV Yeah, you VCR were the only combo. one who could program the VCR. Right. And so I would watch these alone at night, and then I would stay up until everybody went to sleep so I could write my fan fiction. So if you want to know, like, the angst-fueled Rachel has this love of something that she absolutely cannot share with anybody but internet something friends. Something taboo. Then that's what you're going to get, because that's what I wrote, including a very angsty poem. <laughs> it's gonna be good y'all i'm just saying we have a patreon there's a link to it in the show notes we're also on instagram there's a link to that in the show notes we have a website which has a link to all these things and that's strange and beautiful dot club it also has a link to our merch store if you don't have a hunk in the trunk sticker are you even living i also added are all the living? links on the youtube page oh look at you matt took ownership of the youtube page so it's like semi-organized now so <laughs> I'm all about that. I, I do I've not YouTube. Been, I've been man, manually adding all the Dune episodes to the Dune Deep Cut playlist. Thank you. I do not YouTube, 
Yep, tub. I, don't... I, I, I do need to update the name of the one Dune episode because I feel like the dad on the end of um at the end of uh meet the mitchells when he's like did you get my note and it's just <laughs> oh, yeah. it's just a note that be says, my friend on the internet be my friend on the internet that's <laughs> me <laughs> kate tell me i need to get a tiktok tiktok thing just so i can go on there and interact with because she runs the tiktok for feast sheath and shatter and she said i need to get a tiktok just so i can go on there and pretend to be somebody and like uh-huh. interact with the fish sheath and shatter or or defend in the comments if needed and i was like oh god do you I know got, i got a text message like verification code from tiktok i got two of them the other day i don't Weird. have a tiktok account maybe you do so- now <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking um maybe maybe uh tony Oh. The one who I used to get calls for all the time. Your other phone number Put their friend. phone number in and uh, accidentally typed my phone number. That's really funny. That's really funny. I don't know. Um, do you know the emotional, sociological, and mental hurdle it took me to get an Instagram account? You think I'm going to get a TikTok now? <laughs> oh, my God. We have almost 500 Instagram followers. Woo! I do not know who you all are. I thank you all from the bottom of my heart. I don't know how you found us. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Somehow, now, if you were in the Discord, you get to interact with this side of Rachel a lot more. But I honestly, for someone who has hundreds of hours of audio of myself out there for anyone to listen to, have absolutely no idea why anybody listens to me. But I thank you all for being here anyway. Um. We have a great time, clearly. This is a good hobby. This is a good, just personal time, quality time. And, and I'm happy to share it. I'm happy to share. Yeah. Our, you know what? This is fun. And it was so much fun talking about episodes like this where we really get going about how it just doesn't make any sense. But we it's just a, crossed over the two hour mark. It's fine. But it's a wild and fun. Like, I, I don't know. Are you enjoying Forever Night? Are you enjoying yeah, the television enjoying show? It. Yeah. Obviously. Have you heard the things I've said about it? <laughs> well, you're watching it. I know, but you're like legally obligated to. So I just want to make sure <laughs> I wasn't roping you into this. You know, I've tried to share older television shows with people that watch a lot of modern media. Mm-hmm. Like Kate. Kate will kill a television show in like a week. And I've suggested a lot of kind of my sacred favorites like Forever Night or Babylon 5. And they just don't get it. They're like, it's slow. It's problematic, that nothing makes sense, and I don't get it. And I'm like, you're not getting the like the part you're supposed to get. Like, right? There's, there's a different aspect of it you need to be paying attention to. You have to be in this differently. This isn't Ashoka. What was that? How you say it? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. So this is Ahsoka. <laughs> I was watching something about it the other day, and I thought, should we do a Star Wars deep dive where you make no. me watch all the Star Wars shit? For Star Wars, it's like the original trilogy, and well, I a know few we of the feel books. that way, but I'm wondering, like, is that because I checked out? Uh, I checked out right around Hayden Christensen, which we haven't gotten there yet. But Hayden Christensen is in Forever Night. <laughs> spoiler alert! It's not spoiler alert. He's in it for like two seconds. He's yeah. like eight. He's like no, and he just leaves. That's all we get him. Yeah. Actually, that's basically all he does in Star Wars. 
maybe that kind of problematic perception <laughs> of Hayden Christensen's role in Star Wars is why we need to do a Star Wars deep dive. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. I, I, I just thought that was a yeah, nice I don't know. complete thought. I don't know. Anyway, my point here is thank you all for being here and for giving Forever Night a chance. A lot of these older television shows are fucking magic. But you have to give a little to get a little. And that's all right. I don't mind it. I'm glad you don't mind it because we get to have a fun podcast like this. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll leave it there. This was a rambling, entertaining. It was a walk through our mind gardens. That was today. (laughs) We went on our maze. You know what? It's fine. Everybody has their little paths. And we got to go on a couple of ours today. So hope you all enjoyed it. Until next time. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.